Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. We are so, so blessed to be here to be with you guys today. Um, It is a long way to come from New Zealand to here and to be here for this holiday season. And we are just so glad to get to share what we are seeing the Lord do in our region of the world. And just to be with you guys as we just celebrate Jesus and all that he's done. So thank you for having us. And yeah, we love you guys. We are so thankful for your partnership and the work that we do. Little Levi, he's cute. She is really cute too. (laughs) Well, good morning. It is great to be with you. Uh, If you go ahead and put that first slide up. Before I jump in today uh, into the Word, I just want to share a little bit about what God is doing in the South Pacific, in New Zealand and the islands. But uh, before I do that, I just want to, I just love this church. I just love, this is a second home to us. I remember uh, about 18 to 19 years ago when I was just a young man in my early 20s, sitting right back there by that window, just getting absolutely transformed by the presence of God in this very room. In fact, a lot of uh, my life and what God has done in and through me and our family has actually been birthed out of this very room. And so when I walk in here, I stand here, I feel uh, I'm trembling, actually, just uh, wondering even today, what, God, what does God want to do? Do you ever think that when you come into a room with the expectation? What does God want to do? So thank you. Thank you, Glenn and Suzanne and the Hubbard family. You're just consistent, just consistent legends. How many is faithfulness, consistency? Uh, our, our family philosophy is hear God, obey, and don't quit. And that's as simple as it gets for us. That's about it. <laughs> just hear God, obey, obedience, and just don't quit. And what we've learned in the last 20 years of pioneering our mission base in Tauranga, New Zealand, is, is that we're responsible for our obedience, but we, we are not responsible for the outcome of our obedience. God is. And when you know that, obedience is a joy, and whatever way it goes, you can rest in the peace that comes with the understanding that God is sovereign and that He is the perfect leader. So I just want to share a little bit. This is our family here. We serve with Youth for the Mission in a little town. Well, it's not a, uh, 150,000. Uh, called Tauranga in New Zealand. It's uh, actually the furthest city from Jerusalem, 100,000 or more. Uh, So we claim that we're the ends of the earth. Many say they are, but we are. Uh, And uh, it's a coastal town. If you go to the next slide, this is our mission field. This is the the primary focus of our work, is the South Pacific Islands, the town is in the North Island of New Zealand. So we've been there for 20 years, establishing a prayer room, a a mission training center. And more recently, in the last four years, uh, we were given a ship quite miraculously. We didn't want a ship. I got sick. This is the ship right here. Uh, I I got sick on my uh, honeymoon. We're on a boat. And... uh, didn't want much to do with ships, but how many of you know God is sovereign <laughs> and he, he knows what we need? And so we were miraculously given this German-built ship, 49 meters, well, you don't know to do meters, so 150 feet-ish, something around there. And uh, the last four years, we've been um, transforming and using this ship as a medical ship up into the South Pacific Islands. If you go to the next slide what you'll see is that there are about 936 inhabited islands in this region, and that's a lot of islands. And this is uh, some of the most remote and most challenging places in the earth to get to. There are no airstrips and no roads that can give you access to reach these people that live on this island. So the only way to go is actually by boat, by yacht, by ship, whatever. And so we have a couple of yachts, and we also have a ship, that God has provided as a way and a means to, re- to reach the most remote parts of the earth. And how many of you know God loves the big nations like China, even USA? Uh, I think of Brazil. God loves these nations. But man, I feel so compelled 
by the heart of God for the most marginalized, the most rejected, the most overlooked, and the most forgotten about. And many of those people, though they're few in number, live in some of the most remote places and most challenging places to get to. And so God has given us these vessels to reach these places. And so these are the islands that we are reaching. Just the, we actually went to this island this year, and these are the types of villages that we're going to. If you go to the next slide, just shows you a few of these places that we go. That's actually our ship just anchored off there, and uh, we 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 actually bring medical care using dentistry, uh, optometry, just basic health care. Uh, we have nurses, sometimes doctors, uh, dentists that come on board. Actually, just stop here for a moment. This is. Uh, uh, an interesting story. Fiji, they say in the Pacific, as Fiji goes, so goes the South Pacific. It's the largest uh, uh, Pacific island. And, uh, and so we, we've been going to Fiji now for uh, a couple of years with our ship. And in March this year, we went up to Fiji. And we felt like God said to us, go through the front door, don't go around the back. And, uh, and so we're like, what does that mean? And the Lord says, well, I want to bring you to the top. And so we go to Fiji, and on the top left there, you can see the man in the red shirt. He is the paramount chief of Fiji. So even in Fiji, the, 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 it's chiefs and tribes and those kinds of things. So the paramount chief is even higher than the president and the prime minister of the nation. And so we miraculously had a meeting with him. We spent two and a half hours in his house on the chiefly island called Bao. And uh, in the end of it, there's so much protocol. You're supposed to crawl up and shake their hands and all this sort of stuff, and you can't come above their eye line. But uh, he found out where one of our team members, Marty, who actually directs the, the ship, uh, went to the same high school as he did. And so he said, don't worry about the protocols. So we spent two and a half hours. At the end of it, we said, sir, can we pray for you? And we ended up praying, laying hands on him, and he just begins to weep under the power of God. And uh, we said, well, we'd love to meet with the prime minister, and he called the secretary right there and then. And by the Friday, we had five days, we ended up meeting with the prime minister of Fiji. We were supposed to have 10 minutes with him. We had 45. Same thing happened. He's the man in the bottom, uh, bottom right. And, uh, and, and, and the same thing happened as we felt the, just the spirit of prophecy come in the room. And we said, sir, we, can we pray for you? And we began to prophesy over him. We said, we believe that this is divine providence, that God has raised you up into this seat in this nation. And God has a purpose for you in this place. And same thing happens. He just begins to weep. And I'm just, I'm just wondering what God is doing in these days. I'm like, who am I that I am sitting with chiefs and prime ministers? I mean, I'm, I barely passed high school. I mean, I'm just telling you, God loves to use anybody. Hear God, obey, and just don't quit and just be available. And uh, that's a little bit of what I want to talk about. If you go to the next slide. Just some uh, more photos here of, of just what we're doing. Um, you can see there just optometry stuff. And this is our little boat that gives us access to the villages. Uh, if you go to the next one, this is this year. We, it's our second deployment to Fiji. Uh, we spent about five and a half months up there with our ship and teams coming in and out. And uh, we were able to go to 12 different islands and serve 43 villages and offer 13,584 health services in these villages, along with Bible distribution, uh, along with the preaching of the gospel, along with the praying for the sick, along with the training and equipping of the people in the city, teaching the Bible. It's just a multi-layered approach, and I just believe it's the way of the kingdom, is, is that we don't just go one way. We're just always available for God to do whatever He wants with us and what's in our hand. So uh, just a few of the numbers there. Actually, we've got a QR code at the end, and you can get all the stuff. It's, uh, it's on there. So um, we're just amazed at what God is doing. There's one island in Fiji, just a quick story, uh, called Rambi Island. And Rambi Island, there's about 3,500 people that live in Rambi Island. And the, um, many of them are refugees from Kiribati, which is in the middle of absolute nowhere, uh, between New Zealand and Hawaii, somewhere a little tiny dot. And because the ocean is rising, a lot of these people had to leave the island and they came to Fiji and Fiji took them in, gave them this island called Rambi Island. So we go there and the language they speak is Gilbertese. And so we just happened that week to have a outreach team from a Bible school within YWAM and they had on their phones uh, 
audio Bibles in, in multiple different languages. And it just happened that the week that they were with us, that they had on their phone Gilbertese, the Bible in Gilbertese. We're on Rambi Island. Now, it just happened exactly, <laughs> the ways of God. So this one lady, actually, we might have a photo of her. If you go, go to the next slide, uh, maybe, oh, yes, we do. If you go right down to, uh, keep going to the next slide. It's amazing, in a 45-minute surgery, you can fix, change somebody's life. But um, this, is, this is a photo of our team letting them listen to the Bible and their language, Gilbertese, for the very first time. The, the one lady on the right there, when she heard it, begins to weep, just weeping. She said, I've heard the word in Fijian, but I've never heard it in Gilbertese. And she's weeping as she's hearing the, the word of God spoken in her language for the very first time. And so it's such a privilege to do what we do. We feel very humbled, but we're, we're thinking 936 islands. How do we, how do we multiply and get... Get, get more people to these villages. I mean, we're just a small group. You go to the next slide. We've been dreaming about what would it look like for Christian vessel owners. We're just dreaming. We're just going, okay, we've, our mission field, we've got 936 islands. How can we get maximum amount of people to these places in the fastest way to reach them multi-levels, multi to transform whole societies and villages? Well, there's many Christian boat owners out there that are out there fishing and doing their thing. What if we repurposed their vessels, said, we don't actually have to own it. We don't need to do it. You love sailing your boats, especially to islands. Why don't we put people, our people, on your vessels and we partner together to go to these islands? So we tried this this year. We had four vessels and we were able to serve four times the amount of people we were for those, that two-week segment of the five-and-a-half-month outreach. So we're just dreaming, what would it look like if we could create a network of vessel owners? So I don't know, pray with us into that, but we're, we're just tapping into what we, what we believe is a, an amazing opportunity. Uh, ahead of us. If you go to the next, uh, yeah, one more slide. YWAM flotilla, that's kind of what we're dreaming about. <laughs> um, but you've got to get to these places. I mean, how many of you know the Great Commission means all? It's not just some, it's all. So I just want to show you a quick video. It's just a few minutes, and then we'll jump into the Word and see what God wants to say to us today. Let's have a look at this. Here aboard the YWAM Koha. Where our commitment is to empower health in the Pacific, we have seen that mandate lived out in practical ways. This year, the YWAM Koha completed her second year of taking Yasmet in Fiji, reaching from the remote Rombi Island in the north to the breathtaking Yasawas in the west. Our guiding principle for these seven outreaches was simple. Go again, better. And the outcomes speak volumes. Over 13 weeks, more than 13,000 health services were delivered free of charge, most in villages in the heart of out-of-the-way locations. These beautiful islands have resourceful people living in distant places that tourists rarely see. Their greatest challenges come from extreme isolation. During our five-month deployment, a diverse team of 150 volunteers from nations around the globe joined forces Mariners, doctors, dentists, cooks, and general volunteers came together, weaving a dynamic tapestry of healing and hope for the isolated peoples of the Pacific. Due to these efforts, the Fijian government recognized our impact, culminating in the signing of a Memorandum of Understanding with YWAM ships Aotearoa. This agreement helps make the complicated logistics of bringing a ship with supplies and medical and dental professionals into the nation. None of this would be possible without the incredible support of generous organizations and the thousands of individuals who played a vital role in making this deployment a success. As we look ahead, our commitment to Fiji and the Pacific remains unwavering. Partnerships will continue to be the bedrock of everything we do. Together, we will continue to empower health in the isolated communities of the Pacific. I'm on board the YWAM Oha here in Kadavu as the Minister for Women, Children and Poverty in Aviation. I'm very thankful for the support that has been given by YWAM. 
especially to see our people here in Kandavu who are the most unreachable. This is what our ministry also does, so you're supporting our work. So thank you so much, Vilakabakalevo, and uh, God bless you in all your efforts. And please do keep coming back as often as you can. So, Vinaka, I want to say a massive Nahmehi Nui, Vinakabakalevu, and thank you so much to all of our funders, our partners, our key stakeholders in Fiji, in New Zealand, our donors, the literal hundreds of people that undergird the activity of YWAM Ships Aotearoa. We couldn't have done it without you. We're so grateful. We feel like we've just got started. We believe the future is so bright, but we want you to know that together, you, and us together we're an empowering a healthy future for the whole pacific god bless so it just gives you a bit of a snapshot of what we do that's just part of it uh and i want to thank river in the hills you guys have journeyed with us for uh it would be 18 years now and faithfully prayed for us and given and supported us and many of you in this room have really helped us to do this we started off thinking, man, we just want to do a prayer room and train missionaries and send them to the nations. And just layer by layer, if we've just held the line and kept hearing God, obeying His voice, just not quitting, God's just added. And He always brings the right people at the right time. And then a ship out of nowhere and Marty Emmett, who you just saw on the video, 11 years ago joined us. And then when we needed a naval architect, man, he was there and he joined us. And uh, it's just amazing how God knows exactly what's needed for the purpose of the vision that he's given to the people. And that goes for you in this room as well. Well, uh, let's open our Bibles to Judges 6. Uh, and I'm going to attempt to uh, share just a word that's on my heart for us. And what I want to share about is, is how God uses anybody. <laughs> he wants our availability and He wants our yes. He uses the weak things of the world, the weak people. Okay, let me read a couple of verses. We're going to end up in Judges 6 and 7 around the story of Gideon. But let me just read out of 1 Corinthians 26 verse 31. It says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many were wise. How many of you were really wise when God got a hold of your life? Good. We're all in the good company. Not many of you were really were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that, no one may boast before Him. It's because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. How many of you just love that passage? I just love it because it speaks of the ways of God, and the ways of God are not the ways of man. His ways are higher than our ways. In fact, the verse before that, it says that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways above our ways. How many of you know that's a long way? Look at this, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 to 11. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 to 11, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. I think I had a picture of that on the slide. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, we, are, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That's what Glenn was talking about a little earlier. Verse, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. Come on, somebody. Anyone love the Word of God? Oh. <laughs> okay, here's the point. We, so we have this treasure in jars of clay. So which part of us 
is the clay. It's our body, right? Our, our, we are the clay. With, what's the treasure? It's God. God in us. <laughs> the jars of clay are just very ordinary. Look at them. I mean, back in these days, a couple of thousand years ago, very ordinary, everyday use, storage containers, water, flour, whatever. And if they broke, usually you just throw them out, get another one. Clay jars were, you could call them the paper cups of today. They were about as simple as you could get, but that's the whole point. Going back to Genesis, you see that God used His words or thoughts to create everything, even us, by His very hands. It says in Genesis 2 verse 7 that He formed man from the dust of the ground. And in Isaiah 64 verse 8, it says, But Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of Your hand. We are earthen vessels. We are frail We have a limited lifespan. Our days are numbered. Yet we're created by Him for a chosen purpose. And His hands shape us into the image of Himself. I love how God uses frail and sometimes even broken and weak vessels. My life is a testimony of that. At 18 years old, when I was wasting my life, partying and just trying to figure out why I'm on this rock. I was walking down a street in Singapore at 2.30 a.m. No, no message, no music, no, uh, not even someone preaching the Word, no one sharing the gospel, just the presence of God comes on me and a friend. And we began to tremble. I sat at a bus stop and I, I, I raised my hands. I said, Jesus, I know you're real. I give you my life. And that was it. I went from darkness into light in a moment. How many of you know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? It's amazing. So my buddy did the exact same thing. We go into tag team repentance. About 15 minutes later, we stand up completely changed and a a whole new direction is, is forged in our lives. No one gets to go through our life without some kind of break or crack in our vessel, our jar. Sometimes... He allows us to be broken so that we can experience His power, His wisdom, His knowledge within us, His light in us, the river within us. And we realize in the midst of the trials and the challenges that actually it's His strength in us that's a gift in the midst of our weakness. It's not ourselves. It's not our smart. It's not our intellect. It's not our self-reliance and our independence, but actually in the midst of weakness, you discover God's power in a way that you can't outside of weakness. Paul spoke of this. He spoke of this this simple idea, this metaphor of jars of clay. He's the treasure, we're the clay. Sometimes people that have cracks in their jar or breaks or seasons in their life where there's maybe mistreatment, where there's challenges, trials, sometimes sickness, sometimes conflict, sometimes relational challenges, sometimes family challenges. Sometimes people can feel useless or even tossed aside and forgotten. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Maybe a little bit like the old clay pots back in Bible times. Good news, my clay friend this morning. We are all in good company. Even David, the psalmist, he felt the same way. Look at this in Psalm 31, verse 12. He says, I am am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, he said. You know the next verse? He says, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God, and my times are in your hand. (laughs) And that's while he's being hunted for his life. Let's have a look at the life of Gideon this morning, just for just a short moment. I love the story of Gideon. It's a fascinating story. It's a story of how it shows the strength of God when His people fully trust Him and fully align themselves to His voice and to His ways. And I think we've got to draw a lot of courage from the life of Gideon. And I think 
the vast majority of humanity can identify at some point with being forgotten, rejected, pushed back, hard pressed, uh, abandoned, considered the least, maybe feeling weak. But God has this unorthodox way where it seems like He puts Himself in a way where it's the minority against the majority. How many of you read the word? Most stories, it's the minority versus the majority. Gideon's top example of that. Jonathan and Zamabira. What about that story? <laughs> uh, David and Goliath. Uh, what about uh, uh, Joshua marching around the walls of Jericho? They thought they're getting into the promised land. Uh-oh, walls, and we're going to go to war. Joseph. What about the story of Joseph? I mean, just forgotten, abandoned by his brothers, his own family. Uh, what about Job going through his life? What about the disciples, the challenges that they had to go through? And then what about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I mean, we're about to celebrate in about eight days the birth of Jesus. I mean, what could be more weak than God coming into humanity and the weakest form of humanity First, a fetus in the womb, a baby in the womb, and then an infant growing as a toddler, and then a boy, and then a teenager, and going through the process. You know, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 2 that Jesus, that He became man in every way possible. God, Here's why. God wants us to be wowed by His ways. Where, where we look at the end of our story and we look back and we go, wow, God, you took weak and broken people. You brought us to Tauranga. You gave us a ship. Who are we to do this? And look what you did. Wow. I mean, how many of you know when God when you get that job, that breakthrough, when you get that financial breakthrough, something in your heart in the midst of dependence and God breaks in, you look and you go, whoa! And here's what it produces. Love in your heart for Jesus. God wants dependence. Okay, look at this. Judges chapter six. I don't know how I'm gonna do this in six minutes. You guys okay this morning? For Okay. <laughs> Judges chapter six. Uh, verse 1 to 10, you can, I'll paraphrase the story a little bit this morning, but the Midianites are oppressing Israel. And uh, the Lord allows this to happen because the, the Israelites had been wayward in their heart. They had deviated from the ways of God. So the Lord appoints Gideon. He finds this young man who's the weakest, the youngest, the least likely Anyone love the ways of God? The least likely. And he's threshing wheat, hiding. And God calls him a mighty man of valor. This is the, the guy that should be the last on the list to lead the nation into breakthrough. I love this because everyone can feel like this at some times. Everyone can relate to this story. If God can use Gideon, he can use you and I. He can take the weak things and he can bring to shame the things that are considered mighty in this age. Gideon destroys the altars of Baal and, and later on in chapter six. He puts out the fleece. He's got, there's a bit of doubt. He's hesitating. How many of you know the fleece thing? We use it all the time. Little, God, I want a confirmation. <laughs> it was unbelief. <laughs> and then... And then Israel, so God calls him and he's got his, he's got his, his soldiers, 32,000. And they're going up against the Midianites. I think it's 135,000. And, uh, and, and God goes, uh, actually, too many, Gideon, too many. <laughs> Send them home. They peer down. Still too many. The ones that sip water, keep them. The rest send them home. Only 300 stayed. <laughs> I don't know if you do odds, but that's not good odds. I mean, it's, 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 it's less than 1% of the original that are left with Gideon. 0.93 if you're a mathematician. And the Lord said to Gideon, Judges 7 verse 2, He said, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian, Midianites into your hands. Or 
here's what will happen. Israel will boast against me. And they'll say, my own strength saved me. Guys, this is massive in the world today, especially in the church in the West. My own strength saved me. You've got too many. I'm whittling you down because I want you at the end to look back and to go, there is no way that I could have possibly got this breakthrough outside of God's disruptive intervention. How many of you know we need God's disruptive intervention in our lives? The Gideon story story highlights the determination of God to partner with the willing despite their weakness. I'm telling you this morning, if you feel weak, you are in really good company and you're in a great place. Here's why, dependence. (laughs) God wants dependence. And God is looking for the willing heart to believe His promises against all odds, to stand for His righteousness and His truth, especially in this age over again, where there is an increase of evil. Some of you right now, God does this over and over again. Friends, we know this, but it is so refreshing. Some of you right now are so happy to hear this, <laughs> that if you're willing to look a little foolish, if you're willing to look a little dumb, the 300 guys that are left in Gideon's army, they must have felt like they were going to lose. They must have felt like, uh-oh, what are we, how are we going to do this? There's no way we're going to win. There's no way we're going to get the breakthrough. And they're probably not even the sharpest tools in the box. They... It just happened that they were sipping water. Just go figure. First Corinthians 1.26 again. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many wise, not many influential, not many of even a noble birth. Lord didn't call those people. He goes, I called you. I called you. I called you and you. And this is who we are. Our prayer is weak. Sometimes our love is weak. Sometimes the way we love our families is really weak. This morning, we battled for about 10 minutes with Levi screaming because he didn't want to wear a nice dress shirt to church. I'm just saying, weak! (laughs) But the Lord goes, if you're willing, I'll accomplish my purposes through you. Despite our lack of faith, despite our fragility, despite our weakness, despite our shortcomings, He will work through us if we remain obedient to Him, if we hear His voice, if we hold the line. If God can take a little boy with five loaves and two fish and feed thousands, surely He can do it through our little offerings, our simple yes. It's not even a big yes, by the way. It's a weak yes. Here am I. Notice when Isaiah saw the throne, it wasn't, here I am. Actual phrase is, it wasn't, here, 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 he says, here am I. Says that there's a humility in it. The coal had touched his lips. The fire had touched him. <clears throat> there is an enemy. There's only one enemy, by the way. Only one. And one of the enemies that Satan loves to breathe on is this thing in our life called self-reliance. In Gideon's day, God brought forth his people into desperate times. Why? Because of their evil. And they were worshiping Baal. And they wanted a shortcut to blessing in their life. And God goes, Israel... The way out of this is for me to deliver you up to your enemies and let things go bad for a while. I wonder if a lot of the pressure at times is not because we're such a threat to the enemy, but I wonder, I'm beginning to wonder if a lot of the pressure and the trials is because God is against the self-reliance of His people, ministries, or churches. We become so dependent upon ourselves without God. We've got answers for everything. It says in Judges 6, it says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. 
So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Here's what happened next though. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. It was in the place of the pressure that the cry came forth. I wonder what the cry is that comes out of your and I's heart in the midst of great pressure. The whole thing is God just wants His people crying out to Him. He wants the hearts of His people. He wants us not independent, just doing our own thing, trying to save ourselves. He wants us with Him, partnering with Him. Desperate times bring us to the end of ourselves, which sometimes I think is actually a real blessing. You heard the saying, it takes years for the Lord to wear down a good man. <laughs> I don't like that. Because <laughs> I want the breakthrough now. Anybody else? But when we get reliant on our own strength, what if the Lord is intervening in that so that we'll return to first love, so that we'll begin to cry out to Him, so that we'll want Him again? It's the ways of God. God just likes to stack the odds against Himself. Look at the cross. Just, just this, forever. Our boast is this. In a billion years from now, my God, He fought for me unto the death. My, my boast is the cross. Buddha, who did you die for? Muhammad, who did you spend three days in a tomb for? Absolutely nobody. But my God, Jesus Christ, born in a manger in Bethlehem, weak but grew into the fullness of the stature of Christ. He fought for me unto the death. He spilled His blood. Because when He turns it all around, guess what? Our hearts are gonna be so touched by His power and His humility and His grace and especially His mercy. That He is merciful. You mighty man of valor, the Lord says to Gideon. You know, the Lord does not evaluate as man evaluates. <laughs> not by intellectual solutions, good rhetoric, nice plans, men's wisdom. It's like David. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And the Lord will use what the world calls as foolish to confound the so-called wisdom of this present age and glorify Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. See, the sin of the Laodicean church was that she was willing to do ministry. She was willing, she was community, mission even, prayer, evangelism, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And in her success, she could get a lot done without him. And she didn't know, there's the problem of the Laodicean church, is she didn't know what she didn't know. She had a blind spot. I think, here's what Charles Spurgeon said about self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency is Satan's net wherein he catches men like poor, silly fish and does destroy them, but not self-sufficient. Think yourselves of nothing, for you are nothing. <laughs> And live by God's help. The way to grow strong in Christ is to become weak in yourself. God pours no power into man's heart till man's power is all poured out. Charles Spurgeon. When we're weak, Christ can be strong. I want to encourage you, church. If you feel weak today, you are in really good company. And do you know what? God's presence his spirit, that river of living water, the fire, the torch, the blaze of God's uh, uh, inferno love, it can then work through your life to achieve extraordinary things that you couldn't even imagine if you tried. Some of us this morning feel weak physically. Some of us feel weak financially. Some of us feel weak emotionally. 
maybe drained of our own strength or purpose. Like, why am I even here? Maybe you just, maybe, maybe you feel really good this morning. Awesome. Maybe, maybe you feel like you didn't have that zip that you once had. You know that little zip in the spirit on your life? Just that tenderness, that sensitivity. You might be part of the 300, but you might win the battle. Weak people, weak methods accomplish the purposes of God. I can't think of a weaker method than fasting. I mean, think about it. Prayer. I'm talking to God with my eyes closed. I can't see Him. I tell Him what He tells me to tell Him. And He responds to my weak voice. Wow. Sometimes I think, when, when does this weak stuff ever end? So that the really good stuff can begin. That's what I think to myself. I think, man, when am I going to get to this place? Can I just be brutally honest for a moment? When am I going to arrive at this place where it's, it's just easy? And, and the really good stuff can start. Don't be fooled. His ways, friends, this morning, I'm telling you, His ways is always weakness and dependence on Him. Fasting, you become weak. Uh, we've been, we haven't received a salary in 20 years. Weak, support raising. Don't get paid a wage. Weak. Living by faith and not by sight. Weak. Dreaming about discipling nations but not knowing how to. Weak. <laughs> Operating a ship, we've got no idea. Weak. <laughs> the ship breaks down, what do we do? Weak. Turning up in a prayer room. No one else is here. Weak. I'm telling you, you're positioning yourself for a breakthrough. Dreaming about day and night prayer exploding across the earth and the fame of Jesus gripping every tribe and tongue and language. Weak. Only He can do it. Guess what? He is doing it. And He is the one who's building His church. And unless He builds the church, guess what? The labor is all vain. It's vanity, it's vanity, and it's vanity. But God chose the weak things. Do you know, just to finish, Gideon goes out there with the 300. You know what he says? Get a trumpet in the hand and get your, here's a clay jar and, and, and there's a torch in it. We're going to go round the, the mountainside. Midianites are in the valley. And he goes, when I tell you, he goes, here, here's what I want you to do. Just break the jar. Break the jar. They break the jars. It says they smash the jars. Only the light could shine after the jars were smashed. Do you know back in those days, it was 1,000 company to one torch. The Midianites thought 300,000. It's only 300. Guess what? Within moments, they had breakthrough and uh, Israel had the victory that day. Sometimes it's okay to feel weak and be okay with boasting in it. Self-reliance is a terrible thing. The cover-up. I did that for way too many years. It's like bipolar. Smile on the outside, but dead on the inside. It's, it's a, I'm good, but really I'm not. I'm not okay. I'm lonely. I'm desperate. I, I need a breakthrough. Guess what? You're positioning yourself. When you speak it out, it's even better. Vulnerability. The greater the transparency. Time. So Joshua's walking around the walls. <laughs> Just walk. Day one. Soldier Billy gets home. His wife's like, hey, honey, how did the battle go? Well, actually, we just walked. <laughs> well, 
did you did you get the strategy? I, I, don't, I actually don't know. I mean, Joshua just told us that we couldn't talk, so we just walked. Day two, Billy comes home. Surely you got the breakthrough today. Uh-uh. It was a long day, actually. We just walked. Well, did you get the plan? No, no, we just, just talked. Day three, day four, day five. I mean, could you imagine the stupidity, the, the, the foolishness, the, the weakness? Then day seven, they line up and Joshua goes, walk. This time they do it. Seven times. I think one of the greatest reasons for why we back off is that our perspective is obstructed, and usually it's obstructed by our own self-reliance, or our progress seems really slow. So I love mowing, mowing the yard because it's like instant gratification. <laughs> and then there's a chemical in the grass that's been cut that actually, anyway, releases stuff. And it's, it's actually true. <laughs> But oftentimes we back off or we even quit and we don't hold the line because the progress seems really slow. I mean, I, I would, could you imagine, Joshua? I'm thinking, man, God, just lap one, just, just one brick, just to show that you're in this. Just, just, just lap two. I mean, could you just, could you just, just one measly brick, just let it fall so that I know that you're in this. Not even one. 13 times they're walking around a wall, not saying a word. <laughs> the progress is kind of slow. Sometimes I wish, like, yeah, you know, the Circuit of America is the, what do you have there? The F1, the racing. This many laps to go. Anyone want that in the corner of their mind just the Lord saying hey just just a couple more laps and you get the breakthrough the finish line is just there just I would love that (laughs) nothing and on the 13th time just shout I mean it sounds like anyone sung those songs Joshua fought the battle of, how does it go? Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Didn't expect to sing this morning. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the. Sounds great. Gideon, 300. God says to Joshua, just shout. The walls come coming. In the midst of weakness, trust me, God loves it. Because God goes, Joshua, if, if I let a brick come down, if, if I let you in on the third lap, here's the deal. You might think that it's your strength that got you in. If I let you in on the seventh lap, you still might think, that it's your intellect, it's your strategy, it's your smart, your own strength and resources that got you in. But if you have to walk 13 times, and if I whittle down the army to 300, and if I take a boy with five loaves and two fish, and, 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 and if I listen to the cry of a blind man begging on the street whose cry is different from the masses because of dependence on God. If I, if, if I get you to a place of weakness and dependence, here's the deal. You're positioning yourself for a miracle. You're positioning yourself for the power and the presence of God to come in, to transform first your life. Sometimes God has to win a battle in us before He does something through us. Be with me this morning. If this resonates with any of you this morning and you just go, man, this morning, I just want to sign up to be a, 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 jar, of, a jar of clay. I just want to sign up again <laughs> to be a vessel 
that can be available to be used by God in any way. I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to look like. I've got these dreams. I felt this morning as I was praying that there were people in this room that have had dreams, even from a young age, that haven't come to pass. I feel like even today, there's dormant dreams that God wants to resurrect in this room and in your life. And He's saying, now's the time, but it's not through your own strength. It's through your availability. And the weak yes of your mouth saying, God, I don't know how, but I'm just saying yes. If that's you today, if you go, yep, I, I just want to sign up to be that jar of clay again. I want you to be the treasure. I, want, I need your power. I need your river. I need your life. I love the name of this church, River in the Hills. I need a fresh inpouring or, or, or disruptive intervention of your spirit. If that's you, just stand and I just want to pray for you. And if you want, feel free to come up to the front. And I just feel this morning there's just a fresh invitation for us to say yes to God and to make ourselves available to Him again, to sign up again to His ways. David said in Psalm 73, he said, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none on the earth that I desire besides you. Though my heart and my flesh might fail me, Lord, you are the strength of my life. You are my portion forever. God, I thank you today for the infilling of your Holy Spirit and power into these earthen vessels, God. I just thank you right now for the flow of the Holy Spirit river, the fire of God, the presence of God. God, I thank you, Lord, that through our weakness that you are strong, that you display your strength. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ that's in you who's the hope of glory. His treasure. He's the treasure. You're the clay. Thank you, Lord. Just give us a fresh revelation today. Thank you, Lord, that you are the treasure. You are the one that brings hope. You are the one that brings healing. You are the one that brings breakthrough. It's your presence. It's your presence, and it's your power, and it's your glory. Here we are today. Our boast is in you, God. Our boast is not in our own self-reliance and strength, Lord, today. If you need to repent of that, just feel free to go ahead and do that. Just, God, I repent of my own independence and trying to do things in my own strength. Sometimes it's a good place to start. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your power at work right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just come, Holy Spirit. Just come, Holy Spirit. Do what you love to do. Here we are, God, earthen vessels, jars of clay, God. Jars of clay, just fill us with your power and your love afresh this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that your ways are higher than our ways, God. Frederick prayed at pre-service prayer this phrase, disruptive mercy. And he showed the cross and he said, we're going along a timeline of our life. And there are times when the, the vertical, the Lord brings disruptive mercy. And out of Joss's mouth just now, he said disruptive intervention. So I believe the Lord, there's a grace here. If you want, if, if you're just along the timeline, just keep, stay being open to that disruptive intervention of mercy. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.